What is the Podcast of Matrix? The Podcast of Matrix is your source for podcast media hosting. Get your entire podcast library hosted now at podcastermatrix.com. When you hear the words Friday the 13th, what do you think of? While most will recollect a certain impossible-to-be-killed masked individual bearing sharp weapons of all kinds, there's another Friday the 13th that deserves attention. In 1987, Friday the 13th, the series, created a rich tapestry of completely original storytelling. Based on a series of curious, devilishly enchanted objects that must be recovered and returned to the vault to prevent truly dark fates from befalling their owners. This is the detailed revisit and review of the adventures of their reacquisition. Episode by episode. You won't find any hockey masks here. This is the Curious Goods Podcast from Two Guys Talking Horror. When I was 10 years old, I was the kid whose dad left, that rode on his bike until all hours of the night, who didn't have a lot of friends, and the few that I had wondered eventually where the hell my mom and I moved to. Inside this episode of Friday the 13th, the series, we're gifted a child actor, two cursed goods, and a devilicious ghost boy that is the trailing end of a horrific overall experience. It's time for the Curious Goods Podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and complete educational detailing of each and every episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 2, Episode 18, A Friend to the End. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, some quick housekeeping. Animal Sports Performance Training. Nick, four words I never thought I would be putting together inside of a constructive sentence, right. but I just did it. Mm-hmm. In fact, I've been talking to a lot of people that actually work inside the animal sports performance training industry because uh, the newest podcast on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network is something called the Animal Academy Podcast. Mm. And it's not about training animals but it is the stories of passionate people who train animals for those high-end sports performances that involve animals. It's very involved. It's super involved, but the best part is that it's the passionate storytelling. Uh, What I also am reminded by when listening to episodes of it is that I'm not doing nearly enough with my life (laughs) because they, they do so much inside of every single moment that they are awake not only with whatever they're doing, but also with the animals that they interact right, with. Right, right. And it's amazing. I want you to all go check out the most recent episode of the Animal Academy podcast by going over to animalacademypodcast.com. That's where you'll find host Allison White's most recent program, where she ushers in the Animal Whisperer. Oh. Can you say whisperer? Whisperer. Dialing 911. Nick, have you dialed 911 in the last year-ish? In the last year? Yeah. No. Okay, well... It's been decades since I've actually had to dial 911. Well, that's a good thing. Unfortunately, there are many people that call 911. Mm-hmm. And the other podcast that's recently come to the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network is something called Digitally Dispatched. That's 20-year police dispatcher veteran Lisa Moore and the tales 
that she has collected now over 20 years of service wow. inside of the industry of being an emergency dispatcher for the police department. Now, there's there's somebody who needs to write a couple of books. Uh, not only the books. And do a podcast. Oh, wait, she's, she's already, already doing, doing a the podcast. podcast. Right. And again, I want all of you to go check out her podcast as well. You can find that now over at digitallydispatched.com. Tell Lisa that you found her program from the Curious Goods podcast. Nick, enough with housekeeping. It's time to get to the retail for this episode of Friday the 13th, the series, season two, episode 18. A friend to the end. A graveyard. Fog. The dark outskirts of Canada. Hurry, Howard. Cries a woman. Get the light over here. They're breaking into the cemetery's front gate to see Richard Radwell. They put the lid back on his crypt. They lift the decaying body home. They walk it back to their house and up the staircase. They carefully put his bony ass into a casket. It's a cursed child's casket. A doorbell rings. Ding dong. Miss Ram Suko, a new nanny. But she has no family, no friends. Sounds like no one will miss her, Mike. Uh, probably not. You'll be just right for our Ricky. Introduce yourself. And they push her into the darkened room with Ricky. The young Pan-American woman walks up to the casket and sees a hissing jump stare. <laughs> she screams. <laughs> and the parents realize he will be all ours. The door creaks open, and a spry young boy, dressed in white, walks into the hallway. Across the Canadian Berg, in an artist's loft, a young, almost nude model holds a stone shard. It is the Shard of Medusa. A woman across the room draws her in charcoal. Her name? De Jagger. Madame De Jagger continues to draw. The imagery that Madame de Jagger is drawing is dark and horrific. The young lady now cannot breathe. What's happening? She can't move. Ryan arrives at the front door, but finds that the door is locked. Madame de Jagger finishes the art and approaches the young lady from behind and strikes her with the shard of Medusa in the back. The young lady stones over almost instantly. Ryan, who's now across the street witnessing it all, is a witness to the now rock-hard young lady. Yes, the the model has been transformed into a statue. Uh, Ryan heads back to the shop to inform Mickey that he has failed to save someone else, and it is now Mickey's turn to try and infiltrate Madame de Jagger's inner circle and try to get the shard. But as they're about to go do that... Oh, hey, look! JB, Mickey's sister's kid, is waiting out in front of the Curious Goods shop. A child actor inserted into the series. How quaint. Ryan insists that the boy can't stay. Impossible! Mickey finds a classic bicycle from a different era. A girl's bike. And gives it to JB because... What teen boy wouldn't love a girl's bike to ride around the neighborhood? The three head outside, and Mickey sends him on his way. Have a great afternoon, kid. See ya. 
As he heads down the road, JB runs into some miscreant BMX stunt bikers, who finally notice JB, and hilarity ensues. Ryan and Mickey are now attending Madame de Jagger's gallery show. You know, the woman that kills people with the shard of Medusa. Back in the park with JB and the girl's bike, the kids are egging on JB. He's not yet part of the gang, but it's time for a gut check. Time for JB to go into the haunted house. Head up onto Ricky's room, take a toy from the room, and come right back out, okay? JB is not scared and heads into the house. Inside, he finds a mostly foggy, abandoned home filled with dust, creaks, and crappy construction. After falling through a broken step, he heads upstairs. There he finds a gyroscope spinning. It stops, and JB picks it up to meet... (gasps) It's Ricky! Will you be my friend? He races out to find that his new friends have gone, along with his girl's bike. Curses! Thievery! Thievery most foul! JB hauls ass back to the Curious Goods shop. Meanwhile, Mickey is becoming the next model for Madame de Jagger. She heads back to the Curious Goods shop to make some plans, and Ryan realizes that (gasps) JB has let the classic bike be stolen! Ryan is convinced that the kid is a loser, but Mickey consoles him. It's not his fault. You see, his mom is a loser. No worries, though. She and Ryan will be back later on. You could just, I don't know, sit here spinning your gyroscope inside of our store. And JB spins the gyroscope inside the store as night falls. And then he chooses to go back to the house because, of course, nobody's watching him still. Inside the house, there are now candles featured everywhere. Ricky, JB calls and finds Ricky. Ricky is dressed all in white. Still, they befriend each other. Okay, and play foosball. And as the ball is launched from the table inside of some engaging play, it trails into a forbidden room. Ricky reminds JB that you can't go in that room. Ever. Ricky suddenly is crying because of an angry disembodied voice. <gasps> Ghastly! What was the angry disembodied voice? I don't remember. His father. He's He has flashbacks. As oh. he degenerates, he has flashbacks of how he died. Over inside Madame de Jagger's studio, Mickey is arriving and preparing to model for her. Now, it's time to disrobe! This is the Shard of Medusa. Do you know its legend? Madame the Jagger begins to tell her the tale of Medusa. If you're a fan of Clash of the Titans like I am, and Mike is... Oh, yeah. Medusa is a gorgon, a race of powerful monster people, and she has snakes for hair and the ability to stare at somebody. If somebody looks at her, they turn into stone. As Mickey stands and is displayed inside the studio... Madame de Jagger begins to work her feminine artistic wiles on Mickey. Mickey is able to grab the shard of Medusa and chucks it out the window to the awaiting hands of Ryan downstairs, standing next to the rolls. The bins. Back inside the haunted house of Ricky, JB and Ricky are having a deep conversation about his dad leaving, about Ricky's dad beating him, and it's time for JB to go home. But first, Ricky needs something from the drugstore. Yeah, that's it. For his nosebleed. After JB leaves, Ricky has a vision. A vision from the past. Of his father. Come here, you little bastard. 
a father that storms into the house and beats him regularly. He runs away in his white nightshirt. His father begins whipping him left and right. Later that night, alone, ignorant, apparently never seen a horror movie ever in his life delivery man, arrives from the local drugstore inside of the delivery vehicle. He enters into Ricky's haunted home lair and hears a young man crying upstairs. He heads upstairs to investigate. Is this some kind of a joke? Yeah, buddy, you're on candid camera. He sees Ricky. (laughs) Ricky the horror boy that pops out of the coffin and begins beating his ass to a pulp. He tosses the young delivery man off the staircase parapet and then drags the bloody body off to the unknown to chew, to consume. Ryan and Mickey arrive back at the curious good shop to find JB being held at knife point by Madame the Jacker. Give the shard to the boy. She receives the shard, and she and the boy head to the door to leave, and sprints out the door to her car, and she bails. Time for bed. Ricky needed me to take care of him. Ryan continues to doubt every single story that JB shares, and JB heads off the sulk in an adjacent room. Time to head off after Madame de Jagger. Mickey will stay while Ryan hunts the shard. The next morning, Mickey has made pancakes, and all JB wants to do is go play with Ricky the Bleeding Ghost Boy. Mickey wonders why JB calls Ricky the Ghost Boy. JB details the whole story to Mickey and needs to go see him, but Mickey says no. You know what can happen? I suppose that Ricky could come over to their pla- Wait a minute, JB is gone! After arriving at Ricky's haunted mansion, JB finds Ricky inside the house, cleaning up the bloody messes everywhere. Time to play! JB wonders about being able to stay. Ricky confirms that... We're friends. Friends to the end. Mickey is sorting through the many Canadian articles from news clippings, and hey, look! It's Uncle Lewis. He wrote letters to the old couple from the beginning of this episode of Friday the 13th, the series! Amazing and super convenient. Time for a flashback. Turns out that the old couple were Satanists, Mike. They were in contact with Uncle Lewis because they wanted a way to be able to have a child. Lewis just so happened to have a cursed child's casket for them. Super convenient and able to be written in about three and a half seconds. And it feels like it. JB is having a grand time playing with the devil bloody ghost child Ricky, but then suddenly, Ricky is struck in the face. He's bleeding profusely. Are we really friends, JB? Oh yeah, you bet, you betcha, Ricky. Good. I need you to bring someone here. Please, JB, and make sure that no one else sees you. Promise me. As Ricky turns his head to look at JB, JB witnesses a truly large gash between Ricky's eyes. JB heads out to a Canadian police officer. There he is. He brings him back to Ricky's haunted playhouse. No backup is called. Classic rookie mistake. Even though the officer looks like he's been on the job for a long time. Ricky welcomes the hapless, not backed up police officer. Hey. He's incapacitated and falls to the ground. Ryan's made a call to Mickey to tell him what's going on with the shard, but that's not important right now. JB's in trouble. 
Yeah, it's a big dilemma, Mike. The Jagger is getting on a plane and heading to Europe. But Mickey has now realized, thanks to finding those letters that Uncle Lewis had kept, that JB is in mortal danger. Back inside Ricky's haunted mansion, JB pleads for Ricky to not kill the cop. I have to. If I don't kill people, JB, I'll die, and we won't be able to play. JB tries to escape and eventually wonders, When I become a grown-up, will you then kill me? JB sprints to the previously forbidden room and... <gasps> corpses! Corpses most foul. Mickey is just outside the house and storms inside and hears JB calling. Aunt Mickey! Ricky tries to club Mickey. Friends don't hurt each other. Somehow the bloody devil ghost boy listens to reason and drops the pipe before delivering the death blow to Mickey's cabeza. Ricky adjourns to a dark corner and becomes a skeleton that crumbles to the floor. Back at the Curious Good Shop, Ryan assures a now crutches using JB that everything is going to be all right. Ryan is sorry and that he was so cross with JB, and he hopes that the two of them can be friends. Believe it or not, there was an item recovered inside this episode. No, it's not the far more interesting Shard of Medusa's. It's the Cursed Child's Coffin. It has been recovered. Every episode of Friday the 13th, the series has goods and bads. Nick, it's time to focus on the good. Double cursed items. This is a phenomenon that we've seen inside of only a couple of other episodes of Friday the 13th, the series. And I don't think what happened inside of those episodes happened inside of this episode. Well, no, because in the past episodes, anytime there have been two items at once, it's usually kind of they're wrapping up a case and they talk about, oh, okay, so we found this item and it's in the vault and moving on. Yeah. We've got Mickey and Ryan focused on one item and there's another item we know nothing about happening in the background, in the, the, the B plot of this story. Yeah. I feel like we could have balanced them a hell of a lot better because the Medusa shard was a more interesting story, and yet we focused more on the child casket, and that one kind of flopped. I, I totally agree yes. with that. Yeah, there's no question in my mind, too, that Medusa's shard instantly has not only somehow less grim aspect— <laughs> Even though you, it you turns people into stone, stone right? Them. Yeah, okay. yeah. Well, but versus the 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 child's cursed casket, kind of a dead ender, you know? Right, like, right. Hey, have you heard the one about the cursed child's casket? Oh, see how it kind of just kills it there, and and that's how I felt as we were watching. Oh, this you episode. were trying to tell a joke. <laughs> Isn't that oh, amazing? Oh, okay. There is actual levity inside this program, Nick. I wanted to make sure you knew that. <laughs> Went right over my head, Mike. The actual house. Dude, how about the house that's showcased in here? It, it, I, I thought it was even better than the Norman Bates house inside of Classic Psycho. I mean, it's like, got, wow, look at that house. Yeah, it's it's definitely got similarities, too. The The outside yeah. was great. Yeah. I mean, that's a great location. Deserted lot. The vegetation is all worn down, maybe because partially because it's winter during this episode, but mm -hmm. also because, er, evil. But then the inside, I would like to believe that it was all one location and they actually found this really kick-ass house and they shot inside it. Mm -hmm. 
But I'm more apt to believe that we found this great exterior location and we went inside, we took pictures, and we recreated it on a soundstage because it matched up beautifully. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times if you watch if you watch movies and televisions, especially older ones, when they weren't really worried about the continuity of exterior and interior, you could tell, well, that window wasn't uh, there on the outside yeah. in a, a minute ago. A set right, exactly. A, a stage. This one did not feel like it was a set, although I'm pretty sure it was a set. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think what I really liked about this was that there was this kind of a this circular room mm. that you could see constructed from the outside with taller windows. Yeah. I mean, it was just creepy. It was like it, it was if you took something out of like a, a Tim Burton movie. And mm, yeah. you were to draw that and then paint it kind of dark, burnt sienna orange. That's kind of what you got out of this. It was just super striking and super familiar right from the get-go. It was probably one of the only saving graces of the B story for this episode. Thanks for not killing a cop. <laughs> it's not every day that they just waste the life of a cop inside of an 80s program, but often it is. Well, true. And inside of this episode, where there's every potential availability to kill a cop, they don't. And so I guess the third good that we'll pull from this episode is... Thank you for not, thank killing, you for not killing a cop. The, the cop that wanted to help the small boy. <laughs> right. The problem is, is that this show has not represented law enforcement very well at no, all. No, not at all. And I can understand why the writers are more focused on, okay, so we got to tell the story about the cursed item. Law enforcement will be involved every now and then, but we don't want to focus on it. Okay, I get that. But you know what? When you do have law enforcement involved at, at certain points, pay attention and don't make them all buffoons. The fact that we actually get an officer that comes to the comes to the rescue of the child because you know, we think there's peril and the ghost boy is going to kill him but doesn't again i say thanks but i'm kind of surprised well why did we have to have a cop at all yeah. why couldn't we have just some random person on the street when it's again it's where having now done so many what com episodes with so many different law enforcement members the first thing that would happen when something like that happens is that the call for backup would instantly go exactly off. Uh, there would never be a police officer that just ventures into that house all alone. Oh, this looks like safe. That. This creepy house. I'll and go in by myself. It, it's where, you know, again, you have to you have to take the complete disbelief pill and, and jump into the story. Yeah. But again, I guess thanks for not killing a cop. Those are the things that we listed for goods inside this episode, hunting for them. If we're wondering what you thought was good inside this episode, let us know what you think by going to our website. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you thought. Every episode of Friday the 13th, the series, has goods and bads. We've covered the goods. Now let's take a look at some of the not-so-goods. I hate inserted children... For inserted children's sake. May now, I pretty I, please launch this one? I, I'm not <laughs> saying I hate children. That's not what I'm saying. But in storytelling, if you feel like, oh, insert small child to increase peril. Oh, uh, no. There needs to be a reason. Yeah. And what we find here is that we learn that Mickey has a sister who has a child 
and she's divorced and running wild now. Completely that, irresponsible. A, f- it, totally it, irresponsible. Insert the model of irresponsible parent. And just drops the kid off willy-nilly. Right. Now, we never even meet the sister. It's the kid just shows up on the doorstep. Oh, she's off with her boyfriend for a couple of days. She'll be back, I'm sure. What? So there's a sister we never get to meet. There's a nephew now that we're supposed to feel something for. I mean, I get it. Yeah, that sucks for for the kid, but I've never met you before. You you kind of just seem forced, and and you're forced into this story. The problem is, is that all the other characters are written like this kid is forced into the story yeah. during this episode. Yeah, there's also something very interesting about some of the happenstance with children like this kid. And unfortunately I, I know many children that were like this. In fact, I, I might accidentally casually put my mom into a category much like this. The difference is that I didn't need her around when I was six, mm-hmm. seven, yeah. eight, because I could cook for myself. And right. you know, the, the, I woke up, I got myself clean. I went and got on my bike and I came back kind of whenever I wanted to, mm-hmm. especially if it was summertime, it didn't really matter when I came home as long as she knew where I was. And yeah, the rule for my house was once the street lights come on, it's time to come home. Yeah, I didn't have any of that. <laughs> but I, it was a different time. It was a different age. Yeah, I, I didn't have any of that. But what I do find is that when kids are thrown into situations like that, very often there is a, a sense of decorum and process that falls into them that makes them more mature because they don't really have any options. Right. And that's what I didn't detect at all. We got none of that. What what I got was it's a kid that is kind of taken care of, except no, he's not being taken care of. And he, uh, I, I, I guess it's good in that it really does show how really careless this woman was to mm-hmm. leave, leave this kid alone because he's he's helpless. Except for being able to walk, the kid is helpless throughout the whole episode. I join you in your assertion that inserting kids because, hey, let's insert kids because kids are awesome inside of storytelling. No, they're not. They're only they're... awesome when they're made interesting. Right. And this character was not made interesting at all. I, I totally agree with that. This was not filmed at the same time as E.T., but it was filmed at the same time as other properties were trying to insert kids because of the Cousin Oliver oh, factor. Oh, God. Everyone can remember the Brady Bunch, and everybody remembers every single episode that Cousin Oliver was inserted inside the episode. And the reason he was inserted inside the episode is because you're sick of the other six kids that you just want to murder. But the problem so, is, here, is that nobody cared about Cousin Oliver, cared about either. Oliver either. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so the insertion of a yet another kid into the show does not instantly mean that there's something more awesome about it. And doubly so inside this episode, because in addition to the kid being just nails on chalkboard for me the ghost kid he's a douchebag too ah but you see i feel like he's supposed to be i feel like the ghost kid did a better job at doing what he was supposed to script wise story wise i'll give you that i just what i was hoping we'd get was okay so here is the the risen child ghostness whatever we're calling him and as he degrades then he can get the douchebag attitude and the reason that he needs to murder is so that he can be the happy-go-lucky, everybody-wants-to-be-my-friend person. Yeah, let's play. Right, yeah. We didn't get any of that either, so doubly so. Meh! The weird friend factor of Ricky and JB. <laughs> 
this is so strange. Well, I feel like I feel like this one isn't as jarring as our previous bad point. Uh, again, you know, the kid JB, the 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 kid who has a bad home life, the loneliness is probably the only thing about his character that came through. Everything else was very stilted. So I can understand once you find somebody that actually wants to be around you and wants to spend time with you and hang out, I can understand the need to be with that person. Mm-hmm. You know, we can we can twist the dynamic and, and add a couple of years onto the kid, and it's teenage boys and girls. It's like, well, I'm smitten in love. I have to spend every moment with this person. Mm. And you just make everybody else sick because you're all googly eyes at each other. Mm-hmm. Well... Not saying that there's googly eyes here, but you've got somebody who is in desperate need of companionship, Mm -hmm. and then you've got Ghost Boy who is in desperate need of somebody to lure other people to the house so that he can feed. (laughs) Right. So, I mean, the the relationship is, is strange, but I also felt like in the performance, Ghost Ricky did care about JB, just for the wrong reasons. It was weird. I, I, <laughs> as much as I'm trying to understand the reason that can be put to anything that was given to us for Ricky and JB, I, I didn't buy JB, which instantly means that the mechanism to lure people into murder so that Ricky can eat. I'm just not there, dude. Uneven tone and uneven performances. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, this this goes back to what you were just saying, the fact that the actor who's playing JB, and I, I really don't want to, you know, crap all over a, a child actor. I will. But... I will. Okay, because go the, for it. The, the lot of actors that are available, especially child performers, is so deep I, don't, I have trouble explaining it. And I'm not telling everybody that's a child actor or wants to be a child actor that you should be good, but you should be better than this kid. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you that if they had done some searching, they'd have found somebody that's better. And you're absolutely right. He wasn't terrible. But there's somebody that's better out there, regardless of whether it's a U.S. market or a Canadian market. Right. But I, th- I want to I put a little bit more blame on the writers of the script because it's not just the kid and his performance. Right. It's what he's given to perform. So yeah. there's a little bit of blame that needs to be put there. The, the further we get in with Ricky and the story of what's going on here, the faster I want to know more about the Medusa shard. Right. No, no, I totally agree. <laughs> so, again, we get back to uneven tone and uneven performances. One of the things that Nick and I talk about immemorial inside of our podcasting is this. Pace will out. You take a crappy story or perhaps a crappy acting portrayal from, say, I don't know, a child actor, (laughs) and you put solid pace inside of the episode. You know what happens? Suddenly, the rough edges of the child acting disappear. Mm. Not as annoying. Right. Right. We we not only didn't get that, we also got the bumpy, roughshod child performance. And so when the two mix, nothing good cometh out of the other endeth. Right. And the fact that the B-plot with the, the kids kept on interfering with mm-hmm. the A-plot with yeah. the Medusa shard, and you constantly get this start-stop, start-stop, yes. start-stop going yeah. on. Yeah. That, that, that's very well said. 
I, I think there's a nuance inside the storytelling that also is spread thin because we're trying to paint the story of two cursed objects. Mm-hmm. That kind of goes back to what we're talking about as, I guess, kind of a good in the goods. I, uh, as I sit here staring at, inside of our podcast skeleton, I'm like, why did we actually put double cursed item as a positive? Because I, I hated that inside of this episode. Is it because we were looking for goods? Well, no, we put it in the goods because it was a good idea had it been executed properly. Yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> Bonus Yes, that's this, right. This episode was so bad, we've got to add on yet another <laughs> bad. A, we have another bad, and it's <laughs> two items in one episode. Yes, it oh, was yes, one of our did. goods. It yes. This okay. is this is a this is a double edged sword. Thank God, it, I thought Mike's brain was going <laughs> sideways. It is on here. It is Gloria. on here. Thank you, Mike. It was a good idea had it been executed properly, but unfortunately, it wasn't. Therefore, it also is yeah. a bad. Yeah. Because we weren't spending enough time developing both stories. The Medusa shard got enough information given to the audience that you go, "Ooh, wow, okay, that's interesting." And then it goes nowhere. Because the B-plot with the cursed child's casket, which I'm sorry, that right there, that's an episode on itself. It No, if, if it done properly, d- dude, just think about it. Somebody, a grieving parents. I wish I could have my child back. Or a child. Okay. And now you're All given right. an opportunity to where you can have a child again. You just have to use this cursed cursed casket. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I have a child. I get I get to be a parent again. Oh, what? 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 Oh, I have to... Oh, the murdering To, to keep this kid, I have to feed it uh, people. It's always in the subtext. We've had a handful of episodes <laughs> in this show that have dealt with what would you do for your child? Yeah. yeah. How far would you go to protect and or make your child whole again? Mm-hmm. And that right there is a tight rope to walk. We've had many conversations on this show to where it's it's kind of hard to say what's what's right what's wrong you're a parent i am not mm-hmm. but even though i'm not a parent i still understand the the need to protect one's offspring right well since we're circling the table just to see if we're okay with integrity <laughs> like, no i would not bring back my daughter so that she may murder other people period paragraph okay integrity restored that's you <laughs> but there are 7 billion people on this planet. I'm sure that there's one. Well, actually, we saw there were two, two of them in this this very episode that did do that, but then uh, died, got killed by the child because they weren't bringing in the the outside right. enough for this, the, this ghost kid. Right. There was no corn combining available because they true. weren't yes. doing their job. That's right. That, and so that's the parents right. got fired. And, and they, forever. they paid the price. Those are the things that we thought were bad inside this episode of Friday the 13th, the series. But we want to know what you thought needed a little bit of work. Head on over to our website at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com, fill out the contact form, and let us know. It's time to take a break here during the Curious Goods Podcast, our coverage and review of Season 2, Episode 18. A friend to the end. We will be right back. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. Editing podcasts can be ugh, rough. Everyone knows that you'll spend at least double the time you use creating the podcast when editing it. 
Then there's the control freak factor and the gotta get it right the first time. Well, it's time to shove all that out the door and make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. The Editor Core is a talented, experienced team of podcast editors that have edited tens of thousands of hours of podcast content, and they're ready for yours now. Check out EditorCore.com because it's time to make your podcast soar. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even if your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment, real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Everyone, welcome back to the Curious Goods Podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and complete educational detailing of each and every episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 2, Episode 18, A Friend to the End. Every time we come back from break, it's time for Nick and I to open up our manifest moments. The manifest moment is where Nick and I find either an extraordinary acting portrayal, a storytelling element inside the episode, or something else that tripped our collective review night. Fantastic. Nick, what do you got? My manifest moment for this episode has got to be... The holder of the Medusa shard, the artist, Miss DeJagger. <laughs> is it really the DeJagger? Yes. Her it name is, really is DeJagger. Capital D, small e, capital, capital J, J, Agger. <laughs> uh, the, the concept for this bad guy, and we talk about bad guys, we talk about villains for this show a lot because they're important. Mm-hmm. Why is somebody using a cursed item? Is it for monetary gain? Is it for personal health, personal fame? Things like that. And all of those flavor what the episode's going to be like if it's done right. Artist DeJagger was just one of those characters that, all right, yeah, I was a crappy artist before I got my hands on this cursed item. Mm -hmm. So now I'm a sculptor. Well, supposedly, quote unquote, sculptor. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it's called the Medusa Shard, and it does what Medusa from Greek mythology does, it turns somebody into stone. So now you have this statue that she gets to parade around and saying, hey, look what I did. And she's famous for it, mm-hmm. even though she's murdering all these women. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. That's a whole episode right there 
that is that is worthy of a full episode because we're able to insert through dialogue during Mickey's stealth mission to try to get the shard. De Jagger explains what a Gorgon is. You know, and if you, you ever watched Clash of the Titans, Ray Harryhausen? Whew, yeah. Come on, man. Even yeah. even today. Top level. Yes. Sure. <laughs> so the fact that we get a little bit of that flavor of the Gorgons and Medusa and what she does and, and the Greek mythology, and it's wasted because we don't spend enough time with this character, with this bad guy. So I feel like I had to show some props to the Jagger. And that's my manifest moment. I'm glad you picked that. And again, I think this stressed the point that that could have easily carried an entire episode. Mm-hmm. What I would also equate that to is for any of you who are uh, Star Trek The Next Generation fans, this reminds me of one of those episodes where, on one hand, we've got Data talking to Spock the cat. Wow, look, it's an android talking to a cat for half the episode. Fascinating. Then we've got Deanna and her mother talking to each other for the other half of the episode. About boys. And scene. (laughs) That sounds like a boring episode. Well, not surprisingly, you get the same disjointed sandwich here with this episode because of that. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. I think my manifest moment for this episode has got to be the miscreant BMX stunt bikers. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> and I remembered why I smiled widely, because after we had met JB and been bored to death by JB, I guess just boring. Oh. <laughs> I, guess I don't know. Anyway, oh. after we met him, who we then met were the BMX miscreant stunt bikers. Mm-hmm. And I remember, of course, being a miscreant stunt BMX biker. No, Mike, you were a miscreant? Oh, yeah. I had the number plate. I had the chromoly red mongoose with mag wheels. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, you were one of those guys, Serious, huh? serious yeah. BMX biker over here. Not really. I just had the bike. <laughs> I didn't know what the hell I was doing, and it got stolen. Anyway, it was a great bike. It was, it was super fun. I loved it until it got stolen. And the nostalgia bomb that those kids riding their asses off. Oh, and the, when when I was back when I was riding bikes, <laughs> it was before they had those studs coming out the wheels that you could put your feet on. We didn't have any of that, so you had to actually put your foot on the screws of the wheels oh, to pull those studs oh. off. So I have super strong toe strength. I just want you to know that too. Very interesting. Glad I know that. Super interesting. I know I'm sure that'll come in handy later on in now. podcasting. <laughs> And that's where we ask you guys, what was your manifest moment from this episode, season two, episode 18? A friend to the end. Let us know what you think by going over to our website. Again, that's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill in the quick web form and tell us what you think. Vocabulary. Ah, vocabulary. The wheels that filter around the Nick and Mike Wilkerson brain for this episode. The first vocabulary word for this episode is... Child services. Because we definitely needed some. Totally needed some in this episode. (laughs) Where was child services inside this episode? Between the miscreant stunt BMX bikers, between JB, between the the dead not kid dead kid... What a mess. Anyway, child services is needed terribly inside of this episode. 
and thanks to the internet, we have child services aplenty, Nick. Yes. Everything from local child centers, there's a place called the Child Center that uh, my nine to five actually does a lot of charity work with. Hmm. They work specifically with kids that I'm going to guess are probably right in JB's wheelhouse where parents are completely either missing or perhaps even abusing their children. Yes. And between them and, and then what is now called DFS which is the Department of Family Services yeah. that includes all the protection abilities that are solicited and then put in place by law enforcement. Mm-hmm. That's child services, and man, where the hell were they here, right? Yeah, yeah, because JB just wasn't a latchkey kid. I was a latchkey kid. My mom worked all the time to support me and my yep. sister. Yeah. You know, when you've got just one parent doing all the work, mm-hmm. you've got to be able to step up and grow up and do stuff. So, yeah, I, I cooked. I did the dishes. I knew how to do the laundry. I still don't do windows. But just because she wasn't around enough doesn't mean that she wasn't trying to support us. Right. Yes, there was a lot of times where we were left on our own. But this right here, this is just plain abandonment in this episode. You know, even though it is with another family member, it's still just, I'm going to drop you off on the corner. Just walk up there. Hopefully they're home. Or maybe you might have to spend the weekend on the sidewalk. That's just, no, no. The second word inside of vocabulary segment tonight is Gorgon. And thanks to the wonderful internet resource of Wikipedia, the Gorgon is listed as, in Greek mythology, a Gorgon is a mythical creature portrayed in ancient literature. While descriptions of Gorgons vary and occur in the earliest examples of Greek literature, the term commonly refers to any of three sisters who had hair made of living venomous snakes, as well as a horrifying visage that turned those who beheld her into stone. And that's where we ask you guys, what struck you inside this episode is your vocabulary moment. Let us know what you think by going to our website. Again, that's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what vocabulary was triggered inside of your brain for this episode. Episode Rating. Ah, the rating for this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast, Season 2, Episode 18. A friend to the end. The scale works thusly. A 10 is on top of the heap. The Pegasus flying throughout the Greek story told inside of Clash of the Titans that was better than either of the storylines featured inside of this episode. A 1 is on the bottom of the heap. JB... (laughs) <laughs> How about them apples? Wow. I said it. I went there. Everything starts as a seven as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick? There are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? Uh, throughout the episode, you and I have gone back and forth. We've agreed on a few things. We've disagreed on a, a handful of stuff. I don't want to put the complete blame for this failure of an episode squarely on the shoulders of a child actor yes there is a little bit of uh, accountability that the actor has to take but it's also writers and the director Mm -hmm. they all play a part and when a show like this fails it's a group effort unfortunately even though i loved the medusa shard stuff this episode for me definitely a five you are far too kind with this episode because while I'm not going to throw it on the shoulders of a child actor, I've seen only worse. definitely seen worse. 
But of the presentations inside of this series, I think five is far too kind. Only of the things we've listed, I think we're going up, what, five or six different stair steps down after we talk about just a few things. That's for you. Right. So I think the, the, the true number that this episode deserves, without question, is a three. And that's where we ask you guys, what did you rate this episode? Season two, episode 18. A friend to the end. Let us know what you think by going over to our website. Again, that's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you would have rated this episode. A lackluster episode to be sure, Mm. but I was so incredibly enthused about sharing it because there's so many great details inside of this that help people understand the value of not only pace, not only of great character development. I have to stop you there, Mike. I find myself compelled. I must draw you. Oh, okay. Please disrobe. Oh, sure. And hold on to this. Take this, this shard of stone. Sure. Wonderful. Now stand up on the pedestal. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now yep. I, ar- arch- I got the stone. Got it. Arch your back. Oh, all right. Well, all right. All right. How, how long did you want me to stand here like this? I'll tell you when to stop. Oh, all right. Well. How's, how's it going, dude? It's, uh, well, I'm not really that great of an artist, but I'll get it right. Uh, I'll that's get it all right. right. You, Eye of the tiger. Eye of the tiger. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I I thought it was supposed to turn into a statue or something at this point. Is that not accurate? What what? Oh, you thought that was the actual shard of Medusa? Yeah. No, that's a rock from the parking lot. I just wanted to see how long you'd stand there like that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. We are always interested in learning what you remember about these enchanted items and their tales of reacquisition. Connect with us immediately at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com to share your treasured information. Until the next artifact reveals itself, the vault is now closed. While descriptions of Gorgons may vary and occur in the earliest examples of Greek literature, the term commonly refers, click here to read more. (laughs) (laughs) And they push her into the darkened room with Ricky, the young... (laughs) 